good morning, and uh, welcome again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. Whether you're here in the auditorium with us or you're joining us online, we are so thankful that you chose to spend your morning with us here. Um, I love the bad dad jokes. My son hates the bad dad jokes. I think you get the, uh, the correlation there. But on a serious note, happy Father's Day to all of the fathers and the father figures out there. And I have to throw in a very special Father's Day to my father, um, who's actually watching from Mattoon, Illinois this morning. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you. I miss you. Um, but in all seriousness, it's just a great day for us to all be together, whether that be here in person or out in our virtual space, which I'm glad that we have that option um, for those who are just not quite ready to come back just yet. So again, welcome. I am happy to be with you guys. I'm happy to have people in the auditorium again. Um, you don't know how challenging it was for that few months of literally preaching to a bunch of empty seats. So um, I much prefer this. And again, because you're all wearing masks, I just assume that you're smiling and that you're happy and that you love everything that I have to say because I'll never know the difference. So, um, and if you're frowning and you don't like what I have to say, I can't see it, so it never happened. Um, but, but seriously, it's great to be here with you guys. I am excited to continue our series um, on building resilient faith. And this is something we've been unpacking for a while now for a couple of reasons. One, because there is so much to unpack that I really want to take the time to go through this and I don't want to discredit it. And another thing, I feel like now with everything that's going on in the world and all of the changes that we're going through and all of the uncertainties, nothing feels and looks the same right now, whether it's our relationships or whether it's church, you know, when you're coming to church and you're having your temperature taken uh, and you're wearing masks and we can't hug and we can't shake hands, everything looks and feels different right now. So what better time to talk about building resilient faith? And I hope that as we go through this series that you have really taken some time to reflect on where you're at in this process. And maybe some of you are saying, you know what, I really feel like I've got this down pat. And I, you know, my faith is stronger than ever. I really feel like I'm doing all the things I need to be doing. And that's fantastic. Good for you. Or maybe you're not. And maybe as we work through and we unpack some of this stuff, you're going, wow, I thought I was there, but maybe I'm not. That's okay, because that's the whole point of this. The whole point is for us to take some time to think through these things, to look at some different characteristics of resilient disciples, to figure out where am I at, and where do I want to be, and how do I get to that place. So that's what we're kind of talking about, and we're going to continue to talk about today, and we'll be continuing to talk about this over the next few weeks as well. So let's just remind ourselves that definition of cultural discernment. And we're going to keep going through this definition week after week. And by the time we're done, I'm going to walk up to you after church and say, hey, what is cultural discernment? And you're going to tell me right off the top of your head. So that's your homework. It's the ability to compare the beliefs, values, customs, and creations of the world we live in with those of the world we belong to. And that, of course, is the kingdom of God. And once we have made the comparison to anchor our lives in the theological, moral, and ethical norms of God's kingdom. Now, you say, that's a lot of words, and I agree. But when we boil it right down to brass tacks, so to speak, basically what we're saying is, I know the difference between what the world is doing, and I know the difference between what God and his kingdom want me to be doing, so how do I make sure that I'm always pointed to that true north and pointing back to God? 
It's that simple. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And today, we're going to talk about feelings. Because what better day than Father's Day to talk about feelings? And feelings are super important, but we're going to look at how we prevent us from doing what we do based on our feelings and make sure we're doing what we do based on what God would have us to do. So let's jump in. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be scripture heavy today. So you are going to get your workout looking for your Bible scriptures. I hope you paid attention in Sunday school when you did your sword drills, because we're going to go through a lot of scripture today. Now, I have put them on the screens for you, so that way, in case you don't have your Bible, or if you're not at a point where you can sit down and go through it, all of the scriptures will be on the screen for you. But I do want to encourage you, grab your Bibles and follow along as we go through and we unpack this important information. We're going to start out in the Old Testament in Psalms chapter 37 and verse 4. says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I like this verse, but, but we got to pay attention to this verse, okay? Because, see, a lot of people just look at the part after the comma. They look at the part that says, And he will give you the desires of your heart. And he will. But see, they leave out that first part where it says, take delight in the Lord. Because see, after we take delight in the Lord, then he gives us the desires of our heart. See, it's that whole if-then, and you learned about that in school. It's that cause and effect type of a thing. And if you look throughout the scripture and you look throughout the Bible, you see this over and over and over again. See, he offers us eternal life, right? That's what we get but what do we have to do? We have to obey and we have to be baptized and we have to follow him and we have to live faithfully. See, if we do that, then we get eternal life with him in heaven. So it's that if-then concept and it's all about putting God first. And, and Ron, thank you so much for your communion talk this morning. And he talked about putting God first. And that's a recurring theme that we hear over and over and over again but, but are we losing something in the meaning because we hear it too much? Or are we truly striving to put God first in the decisions that we make and the things that we do? Are we truly putting him first? So let's talk about feelings. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about feelings today. And don't get me wrong, feelings are a good thing, right? We have feelings for one another. We have feelings for our spouses and our significant others. We have feelings for our children. And hopefully we have feelings for our Lord and Savior as well. But feelings are not the problem. The problem is when we allow those feelings to make choices and motivate our actions. That's where the problem comes in. So let's stick with the Old Testament. Let's go to Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. So Judges chapter 21 and verse 25 says, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did what they saw fit. Let's think about that for just a minute. What happens when we get left to our own devices? We do our own thing. What happened when Israel didn't have a king? The people went bonkers and did their own thing, right? They certainly didn't stay the path and do the things that they were supposed to be doing. They went out and did whatever they wanted. But we have great examples in the Bible, Right? And right now, we're in a time where things are a little crazy and things are a little out of sorts and, and, and people are kind of doing some things that are outside of what they would normally do or what we would have them to do. But we look at Daniel. Think about the story of Daniel. See, Daniel stayed the course 
even when it wasn't convenient. Daniel stayed the course even when it wasn't what culture was doing. Because see, everybody else in Babylon was saying, you know what? We don't have a king. I'm going to do whatever I want. But Daniel stayed the course and said, no, no, no. I'm still going to follow God regardless. Because see, Daniel put God first. And he didn't let those feelings and those emotions take control of what he was going to do and let that lead him off a different path. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to stay the course. And if you read the story of Daniel and his friends and, you know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story and the story about Daniel and his dietary restrictions and things like that, you'll see that the theme with Daniel is he stayed the course. He didn't let his feelings get the best of him. Again, nothing wrong with feelings unless those feelings are controlling your actions and it's not in the way that God would have you to be. Let's jump ahead to 1 Corinthians and we're going to start in chapter, or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. It says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? A lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack there. But what is he saying to the Corinthians is exactly what we need to hear today. Because, see, the things that were going on in Corinth are the same things that we're dealing with here today. And he's saying, look, to those who are dead, or basically those who are in death, those who do not believe in Christ, God has made them look foolish. But where are we at today? We have God's word. We know what he says, but yet people think they know more than God. They think that they're smarter than God. They think that they're smarter than the person who created the universe. And God says, no, no, no. I've already made this clear. I know what I'm talking about. It's not about what you feel. It's not about what you think. It's about what God says. Let's jump ahead to verse 25. It says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. The foolishness of God is wiser than our wisdom. So the things that God has forgotten is more than we will ever know. And he's stronger than anyone could possibly imagine because he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful. See, the enemy wants to replace God's truth with a new norm. And this is something we're talking a lot about. We're talking a lot about what is a new normal going to be. And I don't even think I like that word anymore because I don't even know what the new normal is. All I can look at is where are we at right now. But, that's, but see, that's the problem is the enemy wants us to replace the truth of God with some new Norm. It wants us to take these things that are going on in society and to take these things that the world is saying is okay and say, well, I guess that's just where we're at. I guess that's just who we are now. I guess all these things that go contrary to God's teaching, I guess it's okay. I guess that's just the new normal. It's okay for those people who are doing things that specifically go against God's will because, 
Well, that's just where we're at in society. That's exactly what we're talking about with this idea of cultural discernment. I'm not going to go along with the things of the world because that's not what I'm called to do. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, hey, you know what? If culture changes, cool, just go with the flow. No. In the world, but not of the world. And that's what cultural discernment is all about. Let's look at two ingredients that are present when we're consumed by our culture instead of God's word. It says we follow our feelings instead of faith. Our emotions, opinions, and desires don't determine truth. Our emotions, opinions, desires, substitute the word feelings, don't determine truth. Just because you want it to be your way, and just because you think it should be your way, unfortunately doesn't make it your way. That's not what truth is. Truth is God's word. Let's jump to Romans chapter 8, verse 6. I warned you, there's going to be a lot of scripture. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what I say. It's what God says. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, The mind governed by flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So when we're governed by the Spirit, we get life and peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I want both of those. I want to have life in Christ, and I want to have some peace. And see, we have that, because we have this amazing hope, and we have this amazing grace that we certainly don't deserve, and that's what gives us peace. I, I can't imagine walking through this world and not having Jesus. Can you imagine that just for a second? The things that we go through, the stress and the hurt and the pain and all of this nonsense that's going on in the world, what if that was it? What if that was it? What if that was all we had to look forward to? I'm just going to keep doing this for another 20, 30, however many years I got left on this earth, and that's it. How sad is that? But see... We have life and peace because we're in the Spirit and we're letting God be in control of our lives. And he gives us that hope that we can have eternal life one day in a place that's going to be more amazing than anything we can even imagine or comprehend. Let's look at number two. It says, we trusted ourselves more than we trusted God. The real reason we end up culturally bankrupt is we think we know best. I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up, not that I consider myself fully grown up just yet, but when I was growing up, I thought I knew everything. I did. Sometimes I still do, just ask my wife. But anyway, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, I thought I knew everything. And I thought my parents knew nothing. And you know what's amazing? They must have read some books or watched some videos or something because the older I've gotten, the more I realize how much my parents really did know. So to you young kids out there, Cole, Kennedy, Kenley, Bailey, your parents know a lot more than you think they do right now. And you'll be amazed one day when you look back and realize how much they actually knew. But see, when I think I know everything... And I start to say, God, I don't need you because I know what I'm doing. 
Jesus, I don't need you because I know best. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. And if you look back to when you were a kid, or for those of you who are kids, and you think about the times that you got in trouble, nine times out of ten, why was it? It's because you thought you knew more than your parents did. Well, guess what? We do the same thing with God. I know God. I know better. I don't need to, I don't need to do what you're telling me to do because I know what's best. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. My life, that life and that peace that we're talking about doesn't come from inside. It comes from Christ. And it comes from the Holy Spirit when we invite him into our hearts and we truly try to live out a life that is worthy of Jesus and the Spirit. That's when we see it. So let's look at another scripture that talks about this exact same thing. Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 25. So Matthew 16 says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And then he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. It says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he says, that shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So Peter does exactly what we're talking about. He thought he knew more than Jesus. Can you imagine this? You're a follower of Jesus and you've seen all the things that he's done and you've been able to take advantage of his teaching for the last two and a half years or, or wherever we're at in this point in the story and you still think you know more than he does to the point that you pull Jesus aside and say, that's not what's going to happen. There's no way that's happening. Now we know that later on Peter goes on to make some other mistakes and then thankfully when, when Christ is resurrected he, he makes amends with Peter but but, but imagine this, even his disciples, even his apostles thought they knew better than he did. Are we Peter sometimes? Do we tune out the Holy Spirit and say, nope, 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 that's not what I want to do. God, I feel like you're calling me to do this, but it's just not what I want to do. I know I've been guilty of this. When I know that Jesus is calling me to do something, but I just, it's not what I want to do. And I say, no, 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 that's not the way this is going to go down. Peter did the exact same thing. And see, we have these examples in the scripture because Jesus knew that these are things that we're going to struggle with. Right? Because we are a me, 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 me society. It's all about me and what I want. And see, Peter was saying, no, 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 I don't want to lose you, Jesus. That, that, that can't be the way this goes down. So what's the solution? As we just read in the end of the last scripture, it says, deny yourself and get, give up what feels like life to you and take up your cross. To follow Jesus and have new life, eternal life, something has to die. What, what does it mean when we say take up your cross? 
Does that mean we literally have to go out and find us a, a couple of railroad ties and, and we have to make a cross and we have to carry that around with us? Of course not. That's not what it's saying. But what it is saying is if we want to be like Jesus and we want to have that eternal life that he promises us, that just like Jesus, we have to die. And what do we mean by die? We mean die from your old life and be born anew in Christ. And that's what he's talking about when it says we have to be crucified with him. No, it doesn't physically mean we're going to be nailed to a cross. But it does mean that we have to walk away from our old life. We have to die to the world so that we can accept Jesus into our lives and live the way that he would have us to live. And that's called living the crucified life. Scripture, Romans chapter eight, or excuse me, Romans chapter six, verses six and seven. Romans six, six and seven. For we now know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. See, this is where that life and peace that we just talked about comes in. Because when we die to our old selves and we put on Christ in baptism, we're not held accountable for those things that we did in the past anymore. We can put those away and we can walk away from those. And thank goodness we don't have to carry those things around with us. Because could you imagine having to carry around every mistake that you've made for as long as you can remember? That's no way to live. But see, Jesus went to the cross so that you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to walk around with those things anymore. So let's look at the crucified life. We're going to start out Galatians 2 and 20. And it says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, we get wrapped up in too much of me and not enough of him. Too much of me and not enough of him. When I look at the times in my life where I didn't feel close to God, without fail, it's not because he wasn't there. It's not because he didn't love me. It's because I wasn't doing the things that I needed to be doing because I wasn't praying enough and I wasn't spending enough time in the scriptures and I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do to feel close to God because it was all about me. I'm too busy. I have other things to do. I need to work. I need to study. God, I don't have time for you right now. See, we've got to get out of this mentality that it's all about me. We hear this all the time these days, right? It's all about me. As long as I'm not hurting anybody else, I can do whatever I want. If it feels good, do it. Right? We hear that all the time. You do you. No. It's I need to do Jesus and the things that Jesus would have me to do. It's not about what makes me happy. It's not about what I want to do. See, because it's not about me. Too much of me and not enough of him leads me to the place I don't want to go. Again, Galatians chapter 5 now, verse 24. So a couple chapters over, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
See, we've got to take those things that we desire that are not according to his will, and we've got to, just like they did to Jesus, and we've got to nail those. We've got to nail those to the cross and put those away. It says, your feelings don't define truth. God does. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that. Your feelings, your me, me, me feelings, the things you want, the things you desire, do not define truth. God defines truth. Galatians chapter 6, flip on over another chapter, 6.14. Galatians 6.14, again, we're talking about what it means to live a crucified life. It says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, it's this idea of using the cross as a filter. You know, filters are the big thing these days, right? Anytime you see people posting pictures on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, it's all filters and it's all smoke and mirrors and all this other stuff, right? But what if we did the same things with our lives, only now the cross is our filter? And you say, well, how do we do that? We've got two amazing tools that allow us to do that. One is the Holy Spirit. Because, see, when we're baptized, we not only have our sins be forgiven, but we receive the most amazing gift that we could have ever received, and that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus knew when he went back up to heaven to sit at the Father's right hand that we were going to need help down here on earth. And he gave us that in this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what it means to live through the filter of the cross is we're living by and through the Spirit. And the other thing is the Bible. The Bible. The Bible's our filter. The Bible speaks very plainly about what we should and shouldn't be doing for the most part. And even the things that we, that we encounter today, that you say, well, those things aren't in the Bible, you can still find the same examples in the Bible. You just have to look for it. And you just have to interpret it. And you just have to understand it. But now more than ever, we can be in the Word. We have so many different options. Most of us have a smartphone in our pocket or in our purse or in our backpack. And, and you, there's, a, there's free apps that have the Bible on them. Some of us still like to use the good old-fashioned, you know, good old-fashioned Bible. I like to have that fake leather in our hands, right? I'm kind of cheap. I have to buy the fake leather version. Or maybe you do it on your computer. It doesn't matter how we do it or where we get it. He's laid it all out for us. And guess what? I've I've read the book and we win. But there's no excuse for us not to be in the word. There's no excuse for us not to be using the word as a filter because now, more than any time in the past, we have it at our fingertips. We don't have to carry around a scroll We don't have to carry around an ancient manuscript written in Greek or written in Hebrew. We have it in our pockets in plain English. And not only do we have the Bible, but we have concordances, and we have articles, and we have different things that can help us to understand the more difficult parts of the Bible. But there's no reason not to live in the filter of the cross, because now more than ever, it's so easy to do. But yet we still say, I don't have time to read my Bible. I just don't have time. It's the number one thing I hear from my youth group kids. I I just don't have time. I don't have time to watch the live stream. I don't have time to read my Bible. But we have time for everything else in our lives because we make it 
a priority because it's not about me and what I want. It's about God and what he wants. <clears throat> Again, this idea of being of the world but not in the world and being separated from the world and crucifying ourselves, right? Dying to the old world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. Again, Paul talking here. Paul's letter, excuse me. It says, Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. It says, And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 18. If you like to write in, highlight your Bible, highlight it. I will be a father to you. So we have a choice to make, right? I can do my thing and be me, and you do you, or I can put all of those things aside and say, God, you're the one that I truly want to follow. And he welcomes us with open arms and says, I want to be your father. I, I love so much the story of the prodigal son. I, I could read that story once a day. But, but I can't help but see that visual of here comes the son coming back after being gone and the father runs to meet him with open arms and he can't wait to hug him. And that's exactly what God does to us. He's waiting with open arms. We just have to go to him and put him first and put away all of the other things. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It says, In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That one kind of speaks for itself, but I wanted to end with that one because I love that one so much. Focus on him and he will keep your path straight. It doesn't say focus on yourself. It doesn't say you be you or you do you. Takeaways. You know, I always love to leave you with something to take with you and something that you can apply. It says at some point, if you want lasting change, then you have to stop marching to the drumbeat of the world. Take up your cross and follow him. See, we can't get sucked into this idea of, hey, whatever's going on in the world is great. Okay, I have no problem with all these things that are going on that go completely against God's word. That's what cultural discernment is all about. My feelings do not dictate the truth God and his word do. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never had an opportunity to give your life to Christ. You have an opportunity to do that this morning. You have an opportunity to say, Jesus, you are the number one most important thing in my world, and I want to prove that both inwardly and physically outwardly. And you want to be baptized for the remission of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can do that here this morning. Or maybe you just need prayers. Maybe you haven't been that resilient disciple that you would like to be, and maybe you've been ruled by your feelings instead of by the Spirit. Please feel free to come forward this morning, and we will pray with you. And we will talk you through that and we will help you get back on the right path. But either way, there's no reason to leave here this morning without being in that right relationship with Jesus Christ.
Well, thank you so much for being here this morning, whether you're joining us here in person or if you're joining us online. And if you are joining us online this morning, if there's anything we can do to help you, if we can pray for you in any way, please feel free to reach out, office at mvchurch.org, Aaron at mvchurch.org, or Michael at mvchurch.org, and we are definitely still here for you and able to assist you in any way that we can. Would you please join me in a moment of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we had to come together despite these challenging circumstances and just lift up some songs to you and to just talk about another portion of your word. Heavenly Father, help us to not ever let our feelings override our judgment, not ever to let our feelings or what we want or what we desire come before your will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our fathers today. We thank you for all of the lessons that they taught us both in word and in deed. And most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're not only willing but you're eager and anxious to be our Father, and we thank you for making that ultimate sacrifice in your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Who else commands all-